This is Breakthrough Radio. I chose to look at the topic of respect. What is the difference between demanding respect or commanding respect? It turns out that respect is something that we talk about, but we're not exactly sure what it is or how this thing pieces together. Or how do we gain respect or how do we earn respect? I want to tease out the perspectives and not just be lost in one perspective. What does this thing we call respect mean? What does it look like? What does it taste like? What does it feel like? How do we recognize it? How do we see it in others or how do we see it in ourselves? How do we communicate it? How do we treat each other? How do we treat ourselves? How is this thing that we call respect earned? How do we instill this in ourselves? Should respect be demanded? Or is it just a state of being? And once you're in that state of being, does respect just ooze off you? Do you command respect? Or do you demand respect? In other words, asking for it without actually earning it. Expecting respect without respecting others. Or expecting respect without respecting yourself. Comes back to those ideas that we've heard before. You know, do as I say, don't do as I do. Is respect earned? Is it gained by someone telling you what to do? Or is it gained through looking at an example? Or being the example? At the end of the episode, I fill in some more blanks and give you a lot more to work with, a lot more to chew on, and see what this looks like in your life. Myself, Andre and Chet, the three of us, sit down and test out the new studio. There was no heads up about what we are going to talk about. Because I wanted to tease out the idea and not take the topic in a particular direction, I took this more from a coaching position. I was deliberately vague, and you'll hear their surprise. This turns out to be a very raw and direct podcast. Enjoy. Okay, so how about this one? Let's have a conversation. What does respect or gaining respect mean to us? There's going to be a twist. Ooh. The twist is we have the discussion first up, and then at the end of it, what we do is we park that, wherever that is, and then we go to the second person's position. What does it look like to them giving us what we are looking for? Oh, okay. Does that make sense? It will. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> what, does it, what does it look like uh, to them? Because the things that's really come up for me recently, I'm busy, I'm busy doing some other programs or busy putting some stuff together. And one of the things that uh, I'm listening to is, oh, this is what you need to do. This is what it's got to look like and screw other people. And if they don't get it, just you know, leave them behind and just do your thing. And it's like, okay, cool, all thumbs up. When you talk to other people, as opposed to addressing them in a particular way, if you address them in a, in a different way, that you'll get more out of them. Yeah. And this whole idea of going, okay, cool. So the one side, people say, you just be yourself, just as it is, you know, stream of consciousness. But the flip side is, if you do stream of consciousness, other people on the other side, they hear the words, and I'm sure we've all heard this one going, it's not what you said, it's, it's how you said it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the way you it's... say it, and it's... <laughs> You don't even understand. I literally sent him a meme with, with the bride walking out of the marriage with the groom and going, I didn't like the tone of the I do. Oh, no way. That, well, that, that's, that's, that's literally the idea. And, and, so, and it's also linked to a whole lot of conversations which, which I've had with many people. And then even doing like a strengths coaching session. Yeah. So when you coach someone from a strengths perspective, it's like, okay, these are your strengths. These are your strengths. I don't know if you know what the strengths thing is. No. So it's not but, like I mean, an MBTI. I don't MBTR. know what the word strength means. <laughs> so you get something, so when we talk about MBTI, the Myers-Briggs Temperament Indicator, yeah. then you get something called strength. 
So some strengths will be, let's say, strategic, focus, input, learner, relator, or adaptability, whatever it is. So there's a whole bunch of them. There's more than 34 of them, but they've narrowed it down to 34. And the great thing that I like about strengths is they talk about, this is what it looks like when it's a strength for you, and this is what it looks like if you manage it well or if it's mismanaged. So even though it's a strength, some people, they mismanage that strength. And that's part of the, the, the conversation I'm looking at going, well, if you talk to someone in a particular way, they filter it completely through their filters Yeah. from a completely different point of view. And the other person's going, well, that's fine. And then the other person thinks, oh, well, you know, that's mismanaged because you pressed my buttons. You made me upset or whatever it is. Mm. And then uh, it's a case of, well, no, I didn't press your buttons. It's your strength is mismanaged. So from those perspectives, in other words, talking just from the first person perspective, our perspective, and then the other side of going, okay, now imagine being that other person and what does that look like to them when we ask for certain things? So, yeah, that's where I was coming from. All righty, I get that. Yeah, I mean, for me, if I can back it up just one step, uh, and I think I've chatted to you about this before, Andrew, is um, for me a big game changer in my life was actually creating or having self-respect, right? That's, uh, and by self-respect, I mean a couple of things. So it's respect for your body. It's respect for your resources. It's respect for your health. So there's many things, right, that, that make up that word or that term self-respect for me. But my self-respect, for example, for my body, um, I fit this guy, I train, etc., etc. Somebody else might look at that as vanity, right? So where I'm sort of healing my body and taking care of my temple and, and respecting myself through taking care of my body, somebody might look at it and say, oh, he's so vain. Oh, he loves himself, you know? So, so there's also like, that's that context that you're talking about. It's like, how, how does somebody see you yeah, but, through... But now that's the thing. Before we get to the other person... Yeah, we still have to have a discussion you, about respect. Let's talk about it from our side. Correct, like, what does yeah. it look like when we are not respected or we don't perceive ourselves as being respected? Yeah. Or what would it take for us to be respected? So in other words, respect yeah. is an idea. So what is that? What is respect though? Like to you and to you. <laughs> if you break it down, respect is just like to look again, to see again, to see the person again, to see yourself again. So let's, okay, let's talk from the first person, okay. from, from, from the our perspective. Yeah. Basically, when you respect something or you respect yourself, is you get to see yourself in a new light. You look at yourself from a completely different angle. In other yeah. words, this ties into things like discipline, having self-discipline and then self-respect. So what does a self-respecting person do? So for me, respect means I treat myself well. I manage my thoughts well. So even if I'm having, let's say, negative thoughts or negative conversations in my mind, and again, this is in my mind. These aren't the things coming out of my mouth. It's having the respect for myself or to respect myself enough to treat the people around me, for lack of a better term, you treat them well. But of course, we treat them from our perspective. In other words, it's not a case of giving them what they want. It's giving them what they need. Yeah. Uh, and that's where the whole thing gets sticky because it's like, okay, well, they think that you've been nasty to them or you've been rough with them. Uh, and of course, because it's from our perspective, you never know exactly what they need. It's only from our perspective. So for me, respect is 
knowing yourself, having a high self-awareness and conducting yourself in that way and then not having the outside world influence that perspective. And the caveat behind that is not having the outside world affect that from the point of your high awareness. And what I mean by high awareness is always having the ability to be wrong, always having the ability to say, maybe I'm wrong, maybe, I'm, maybe I've missed something, or maybe I didn't do it, let's call it the, I don't like using the right way, or doing it the correct way. And having that little checksum in your head, is this, is this something that they want or is this something that they need? Coming from my personal thing, I would much rather have someone around me give me what I need than give me what I want. Personally. Yeah. Uh, I'll give an example. Yeah. I was busy uh, listening to a podcast and the guy was talking about the difference between a mindset, uh, a growth mindset or a fixed mindset and what the fixed mindset will look like. And when he was younger, if uh, he was on the sports ground, if someone threw in the ball or anything like that, he was just terrified of getting the ball because he didn't feel talented enough. And that's the mark of a, a fixed mindset. In other words, this is my talent. But if you felt talented enough, people that feel talented will perform higher or they engage more in the sport. And then that took me back in my past. And I remember I was put into the tennis court and people said, I must go and play tennis. And then I found myself at home opening up the cupboards, even finding an old yellow plastic tennis things that you use for like that swing ball. Yeah, that swing ball, the, the pole that you stick in the ground. And I just find a tennis ball and I just happened to have a wall with a, a slaster in front of it. And I was like, I'm going to hit this ball until I can actually play tennis. And that's what I did. If there was something about shooting, I grabbed the pellet gun and I found myself just by myself doing that. Yeah. Uh, I started playing action cricket and then I was house sitting and this place I was house sitting at had a big tennis court. And every morning I'd grab a, grab a ball and I'd be bowling up and down that, uh, the tennis court. No one else is there and it was for no good reason and, and that wasn't any part of any high competitive side. So I mean, I've got where I was highly competitive in other sports. I'm talking about these are just ancillary sports around me, things that I just did. And in my mind, when I listened to what he was talking about, that related going, okay, so without me even realizing it or doing it consciously or having someone telling me what to do, if I practice this thing, I'd get better at it. That's the bottom line. If I practice this thing, I'd get better at it. So I just find myself practicing things just to get better at it. It's not that I was going to be the best in that field or, and I wasn't really driven to do something so that I didn't look a fool. I just knew I could get better. I didn't know how much better. And then there were other <laughs> other sports which I really excelled in. And that's, I don't even know if I had a natural talent for those things, but I was just so fanatical about them that I just put so much effort into it that I just did well in those other sports. Yeah, and that to me comes down to the whole thing of going through those processes and then participating in those sports, especially in the sports where I was competitive and you find yourself standing on a podium and everything like that, people are like, you know, like super respect mm. and all the rest of it. And for me, one of the things with respect, respect has got very little to do with liking. Mm. You know, there's a lot of people, there's not many, but there's a few people which I don't like them. I respect them, but I don't like them. <laughs> I don't have yeah. to like you to respect you. In the beginning, that was a very yeah. weird thing. It's like, what do you mean? If you don't like me, then how do you respect me? But this is also, for me, a very masculine thing. Masculinity, besides male, female, masculinity, there's a big drive behind this thing of, or a desire of, just respect me. Or that masculinity craves respect. But what does that mean? That's, yeah. that's where I'm going. So, mm. <laughs> Me, it's me, it's me. It's you, yeah. <laughs> okay, beautiful. Yeah, that's, it's, it's, 
It's very interesting what you said there about the growth mentality because I found I found myself being exactly the same way, you know, for so long. And I think Andre's probably been been the same. You you find something and you 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 know, I think part of awareness is the realization that better is always available to you. So why not choose it? You know, like if you're going to do something, improve. You know, focus. Do it to the best. If you don't like it and you have no interest, then there's no reason to do that. But if you do have an interest in it, then why not practice? Why not throw the ball around? I mean, if, especially if you get enjoyment out of it. And there's a great enjoyment out of, out of you know, becoming better at whatever it is that you're doing. And it's interesting, this, this, this concept of respect, because I think it's also born out of the same thing. It's, it's born out of self-awareness, that realization that you can grow and that you can become happier and that you can become better and that it's really just a choice. I remember when I was 15 or 14, I had, my parents had gotten divorced. I was quite athletic as a kid, and then I stopped playing sport for years. And I just read books, and I disappeared into a fantasy world of books and make-believe. And I just was this glasses-wearing, like, low-muscle-tone little nerd. And, uh, and I remember coming second last in my school at cross-country. The only kid who finished behind me was fat as. And uh, they were packing the whole thing away, and I remember running in, and I just remember looking down at my body and going, no, like, this, this is no longer going to do this reality. Were you fat as a kid? I wasn't fat. I was just, I just had no muscles. Like I had no muscle tone. So I just had boobs and like, I was just podgy, you know, I just didn't have any muscles, you know, it was like, it is the hardest thing to imagine. I swear. <laughs> yeah, I know it, it is wild, but that's what, that's what I'm saying. This is, this, this was like the first moment in my life where I, where I got to realize, like, if I choose something different here, you know, and I can change what I can change my reality. I can change my body. And it started with that. And I went to the cross country coach and I told him, listen, I want to, I want to train with you. And then he started laughing. He was like, you, so I said, yeah, no, I really, I want to train. And part of the problem was that I was asthmatic. That was why I, but I'd used that as a crutch over years as the reason to not do something. So when I, my parents got divorced, then all of a sudden you're like 10 years old and you can start going, well, I don't want to do this. And then you, you figure it out. Oh, if I just tell them I've got asthma, then I don't have to do these sports. You know, and then eventually you find yourself in a, like a, a box. You've really, you've, you've, you've painted yourself into a corner. You've got nowhere to go. And for me, it was this realization that I have to get out of this box. I can't be this anymore. I don't want to be this anymore. And started running morning and night, morning and night. I ran every single day. And by the end of that year, I came fifth in the school. I think I ran four kilometers in like 15 minutes. By the time I got to matric, I was like a, a ridiculous athlete. I, I, you know, I'd, um, you know, I'd managed to run in the school cross-country team and, and the school relay team eventually and played first-team sports and all sorts of things. And it was an amazing turnaround. But then yeah, that's it wasn't... What I it's like it's so hard to imagine that yeah, it, <laughs> you it had is. no muscle tone. <laughs> yeah, because then I just started. Then I, started, I was like, okay, well, what else is possible? You know what I mean? Then I started doing push-ups and, and sit-ups, and then my body started shaving. By the time I got to matric, I was like, I had this incredible build. I was like, oh, yeah, you remember. You saw me when I was younger. You know, and um, yeah, and you saw me when I was younger. Yeah, I did see you when you were younger. Yeah, and I think it all just comes, it, it all comes down to that. It's that it's self-respect, and it's born out of that awareness of self-love and that ability, that potential to grow and to become a greater version of you. And I mean, how much has it actually, if I look at it and I go, how much has it actually served, not just me but the people around me, like to become more respectful of myself to become more loving of myself and how is that filtered around to the people that are around me? How much joy do you bring into the world by choosing you? You know, like really choosing you, you know, and that's the respect aspect of it for me. Okay, so here's the thing. Did yeah. you do that to gain respect, like so that people would respect you? Yes. I, you know what it was, Andrew? I think it was that <laughs> at that moment, testosterone was starting to course through my system. And all of a sudden, I had gone from like, you know, I just, I was hanging out with my boys. And then all of a sudden, you become aware of girls, you know, and you're, like your mates are starting to date and you're like this. No one's looking at you. You know what I mean? you got like no muscles. you got glasses. You're like this dorky kid. You know what I mean? And, and then all of a sudden, it was like, no, this won't do. 
you know, I'm interested in girls now. So whether it was respect or attention, uh, I, you know, I'm not really sure. I, I see a lot of guys get into that res, that respect thing and the and the, the ego of it. It's never really bitten me as much. No, you've just hit something there for me. It's like yeah. the difference between, you know, I'm doing this to get attention. Yeah. Or I do this, and on the one side, I do this to gain respect. Yeah. And then that next level of I do this mm. and whether people respect me or not is another thing. Yeah. But that thing there, yeah. sometimes people are doing things just to get attention. Yeah. And they perceive it as, you know, respect me. Look at all the things I'm doing. Look at the things yeah. that I've done. I deserve respect. Yeah. No, you might have done a lot of stuff or own a lot of stuff, but there's nothing to respect about yeah. that. That's And that's actually what I'm kind of trying to dig into. I'm, I'm trying to scratch that little that, yeah. that thing. Like, how do we define it and what is it? That's another thing, exactly. It's like when we start respecting ourselves and realizing yeah. this whole bigger world yeah. and doing it, and it's very much, I mean, another argument that everything is driven by a selfish need. But when we start doing these things, people look at it and go, dude, fuck, I, I respect that. I, I remember him five years ago, and that's where he was. And look at what he's doing now. That earns the respect. It's yeah. like a, a respect is an earning thing. It's not a, yeah. just give it to me. Yeah. Respect is definitely an earned thing. So yeah. that's the thing I'm scratching at. It's an interesting one because, like, you know, how quickly can we slide, you know, from there, you know, into, into judgment if we start analyzing it? Do you know what I mean? Of, like... If, if, am I doing this? It doesn't matter really to me anymore, like why I'm doing things. Do you know what I mean? I don't, it's not even about for respect or for anything. It's just these days I'm, I'm, I'm just following what feels light, what feels like it's my peace, like it feels like it's my role. And, and you, what you said earlier, which was really interesting is, and I think this is, this, this is something for, for most people to try to be in is, is you were in question about does needs and wants. You know what I'm saying? So essentially, like, even now when we started this podcast, the first thing I asked myself is what contribution can I be to this group and what contribution can I be to the people who are listening? Yeah. Because it's, you want to be in question all the time because then what happens is you open up awareness and then you also get to follow. Like you said, you know, you know, if, if you say something to somebody and it doesn't feel light, it doesn't sing and you get this heaviness, you know, even then in that moment, you're gonna be like, well, does this belong to them or does this belong to me? You know, am I perceiving their stuff or is this my stuff? You know, and in that moment, you get a choice. You get to go, okay, cool. Well, let me rephrase it or let me try a backtrack and let me find a lighter way or a way that might be received. Because you can know, you know, if you're, if you're truly not only self-aware, but aware of other people, you'll know when something doesn't, doesn't, you know, when it doesn't land. And it's okay. Like sometimes it's just, you know, that time it didn't land, you know, they don't want to go any, you know, they're not, you've, you know, you're trying to open a door, you're trying to create a possibility, some sort of outcome. If it doesn't have, if it doesn't land, then you know they're not ready to go there yet, and you don't have to go any further than that. But that staying in question tool that you just, you know, that you use just now, is so vital because otherwise you're just functioning from your head. You're just thinking and thinking and thinking. But if you want, once you once you ask the question, you're now starting to function more intuitively, and you're asking the question to God, Jesus, Buddha, Universe, whatever as well. You know what I mean? Like you're trying to, then you can start to get this what you call that stream of consciousness. But it starts with a question because otherwise you think you know. But if you ask the question, then you start getting, start getting assistance, yeah. contribution. I mean, I, I, I quite like that, um, that concept of always asking, always looking, always mm. searching. And I think, uh, I mean, I speak for myself. It's um, when I started realizing that I could do certain things really well that really energizes me, it's almost like you don't have to earn respect or you don't have to command respect like you were saying it's people just generally i don't know 
respect you. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, just an example, right? So my grandfather and my father are, they were two very important role models in my life, right? So both of them, I mean, if we had to put them on the strengths, you know, like course, uh, none of them would have had Maybe at work, I don't know, at home, but neither of them had like this high level of command in the house. But yet, both of them had such a way of carrying themselves and disciplining us and just providing for the environment and, and doing their thing that I respected them tremendously. I mean, my dad and I, we best buds, you know, I have a high, high amount of respect for him. Um did he dem command it of me, which I know happens in a lot of parenting. You command that, you know, you respect me. Don't, while you're in my house, you will respect my rules. Yeah. And you will respect what I say. My grandfather and, well, my grandfather with me, I don't know what it was like with my mother and my aunts, but definitely with me and certainly my father um, was almost just, just the way they conducted their lives, you know. And uh, and they also achieved quite amazing things in their life. I mean, my grandfather was a, a general in the Brazilian army. My dad was one of ten. Wait, you say a general? A general, yeah. As opposed to Andre, who was general surgery? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Major general. operation? Major yeah. operation. <laughs> I was general of party, <laughs> you know, growing up. Um, so it's just examples of... You know, pe people in my life who never commanded respect of me. They just earned it, you know. And it was, like you say, it was the way they conducted themselves. It was the way they just did things that energized them and lived to a certain extent unapologetically, you know. You know, that's that's something that I'm digging into behind that is. And, and I know that I tread on interesting ground when it's like, yeah, just go out there and live unapologetically. There's still a field. There's a ground where, yeah. you know, I'm going to live unapologetically. You know, I'm going to go to, I'm exaggerating for effect, you know, I'm going to go to a nightclub and then pour my drink over the bar and set it on fire just because, you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't care what anyone thinks about me. I, I make no apologies and this is just who I am. And it's like, no. That's stupidity. <laughs> That's stupidity. <laughs> and, and, it's, and it's great immaturity, massive yeah. immaturity. So, but you're and, right. and that's, that's essentially what I'm attempting to define because... You know, I break this thing up even into four quadrants. Well-managed, mismanaged, and mature, yeah. and immature. And I say you can really make it extremely granular. You can really get it down to the small bits about it. But that's not the point of where I'm going to. The idea of what is this, what is this thing that we are speaking about? It's almost, it's almost like it's an archetype of some sort. Mm. It's an idea. It's a concept out there. But what does it make it as tangible? Because this is something that we definitely feel. And the question is, how do we put our finger on it? Any thoughts on that before I continue? Or? Uh, I mean, I, I always think of, you just hit something now, like a, if I had to think of a sportsman, for example, and I had to associate the term respect, my mind immediately goes to Roger Federer. I mean, what a classic. <laughs> you know, no, he, he, seriously, he's one of my all-time sporting heroes. Apparently he's one of my cousins. <laughs> yeah, he's a distant relation of mine. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah, his mother's South African. Yeah. So it's kind of like you start talking archetypes, yeah. you know, and then you go, go, respect, Roger Federer. 
that comes to mind. <laughs> I don't know why, but it just did. And I, and I guess, he, he, I mean, he was such a brilliant sportsman and he was just being chilled and doing yeah. his thing, you know, versus other tennis players who used to break records and... You can say their names. It's okay. Well, McEnroe's a legend. Not, Come on. He's probably not listening to no, this Mac podcast. McEnroe's a legend. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so it's, how you say it, managed versus unmanaged, I guess. Yeah, it's interesting. One of the reasons why I put it like this is because whether it's well-managed, mismanaged, whatever it is, we have the feeling in it. In other words, when someone's busy talking to us, unconsciously and that also goes back to self-awareness so yeah. does this work with an unconsciousness unconsciously we just start feeling like not only do i not like this conversation but this person is not and i use the word they're not respecting me there's no respect in that conversation and now we start to project that person doesn't respect me mm. and we feel this it's that that i'm speaking about because most of the time when we are being respected and you know, we're respecting ourselves and all the rest of it most of the time, you know, when the waters are calm, we never think about it. It doesn't bother us because it just is. It's like, you know, it's warm or the temperature is just right. You don't think it's, it's a hot day today or it's a cold day today. If the temperature is very, you know, mean, if mm. it's just average, it's just, a, it's just a normal day. It's when it gets extreme. So when it gets really hot, we're like, oh, it's hot today. Or it's really cold. Or it's cold today. But when the, when the weather is good, we don't walk around. Okay, yes, we can say, yeah, the weather's good, but that's, that's pretty much the end of the conversation. And for me, it's the same kind of thing with respect. We tend to feel, we feel it the most when we feel being disrespected in that sense. And, um, and it's, not, it's not just something in my head. Obviously, I listen to people around me and I go, okay, so what is that? Let's get a broader perspective. And, and I know I can very much speak from a personal point of view. I've always asked myself, or people have asked me the question, like, why are you this way? Or, or what, what happened in your past? Or what was your childhood like? Or, you know, why do you see it this way? Whatever the way is. <laughs> and the, 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 the automatic answer is, for me, it's just like, this is just the way the world, this is the way it is. But it's not like that. And it's not like yeah. that for everyone. In other words... If I go back into my childhood or just go back to any particular time, the moment that I felt anyone, and I mean anybody, just literally talk down to me like that, to me it was just unacceptable. It was just unacceptable. And you're not, you're not going to get me on your side from that point of view. And that was just something that I instantly felt. I, I never said to the person, hey, you're disrespecting me or I don't like your tone or whatever it is. At that stage, I'm going back like right into my formative years kind of thing. Because at that, at that stage, remember when we were young, we don't have these constructs in our head and uh, we can't put words to them. Now, as we're older with experience, and that's essentially what I'm, what I'm mining here. Now, I have a very clear idea of, in other words, I have a very clear um, concept of my boundaries. What do my boundaries look like? Uh, why do I have a boundary around that? Uh, how do I know my boundaries are being pushed? Why I would react like this? I have my why, I have my what, I have my how, I have all of that around that. And not to justify a position, it's knowing thyself of this is my response. And in that moment, oftentimes there will be a thing going, this is why I'm going to, this is why I could respond like this. In other words, I could uh, get very abrasive to someone or just shut them down and say, look, that, you're totally disrespecting me, all my friends or people around me, and I'm not going to have any of it. 
you can either shut them down or you can, because of the awareness, you change gears and ask yourself, hang on a second, do you want the other person to shut down or do you still want them to still feel that they're part of the unit but to bring them to their awareness so that now they can contribute from a different point of view because most of the time they, they are doing it completely unconsciously. If you ever said to someone, you disrespect me, they're going, like, what do you mean? What are you talking about? In their position or their mind, They've got no idea that they're pushing your buttons. They've got no idea that they're so-called treating you badly from that perspective. And most of the time, if I had to nail it down to something, they come from that perspective is A, they've never been shown that their behavior is unacceptable or their behavior is not going to get them what they want because they might be coming from, you know, if you look at a child, if I throw a tantrum long enough, I'll eventually get a chocolate. But that's what their parents taught them. If you throw a tantrum long enough, I'll eventually just give in because I don't have my personal steel. I don't have my personal faculties together enough to manage yours. So to get you to stop, I'll just give you whatever you want. But in that moment, they don't learn to respect what they have. And I'm speaking from my point of view. You know, there's a, coming from that point of view, going, how did I learn to respect what I have? And that's, what I'm, that's essentially what I'm, what I'm talking about, going, when you have the self-awareness of it, and then you share with the other person going, when you deal with me like this, you're not going to get the best out of me. Without you knowing, you're pushing me away. Because it's not what you're saying, it's what you're signaling to me. So now I'm receiving a signal. And the signal that you receive from, or that I'm receiving is, I don't necessarily like you in my space. I don't really want you in my space, but it, and I'm talking as if I'm the other person. But I'm coming from the point of, there's some part of my survival that I need you in my space because without you, I won't have chocolates, I won't have chips, or I won't have food on the table, or I won't have, I don't know, I won't be able to play TV games, or I won't have internet, or whatever it is. And they're just doing it because, you know, they're coming from a very basic survival point of view, going, I'll tolerate you, but I don't necessarily like you. And again, respect has got nothing to do with like. And then if we move the needle, or if we go over the waterfall, how do we move from that perspective to the point of, I respect that. And I know that this also comes with the maturity in my mind. This comes from maturity because, you know, even the masculine sitting around in a circle, we know what respect when we respect each other. You know, if we want to push each other around or you bump each other or you want to roll on the grass or like we respect each other. Even if we, you know, you go and roll on the grass and it's like, cool, let's, let's get physical about this thing. You roll on the grass and even if you step up and you've lost, it's like the handshake at the end of the day and it's like, well done, you know, everyone's bleeding. But you respect the guy, and you also respect the guy going, I'm not going to back down from it, even if I'm going to get hurt. Yeah. yeah, we don't want to get dead, and we don't want to get injured to the point where we're maimed or broken. It's having that idea. It's being, let's even call it a preparedness. Are you prepared to, let's say, bleed? Are you prepared mm. to go to that extreme? It's not that you do, and it's not that you have to. Are you prepared? And, and that's what I'm talking about. That's the difference between giving me what I want or give me what I need. If I wanted to be stronger when I was younger, what I needed was someone to push me harder. I didn't need someone to go, oh yeah, you look like you've had a hard day, or you look like you're tired. Yeah, it's best that you go and have a nap now. No. It's, it's in those moments where you give the person what they need, you push them a little harder. Not to break them, to know that they, you know, by the time they feel tired, they're not even 40% into their reserves. They've still got another 60% left. It's about getting that brain or that mind to push beyond the pain, push beyond a particular threshold. 
so that we know what our capabilities are. And and to me, and, and then you talk about a, a professional sportsman, we go, man, respect, respect. Like, mm. yeah. It's those levels. And, and I know that this also comes from a level of experience because when we know what we've gone through to reach those levels and we see someone that have not only gone through those processes but now have exceeded the level that we reached, we know what it takes. And we go, oh, man, I respect that. Yeah. So before we get to the other side of it, that's the thing. Have you got something on your mind there? There's, um, what's your, well, I've always got something on my give mind. Give me a take there, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's interesting for me because <clears throat> I think a lot of it is, is centered around receiving. You know, and it's, it's like for me, it's, I mean, it's maybe the same language but slightly different. Is if your barriers are up the moment you come into contact with someone or someone else's barriers are up, it's very difficult for them to receive you. You know, so what does it take, first of all, to get that person's barriers to come down? You know what I'm saying? And it, for me, that starts with like lowering your own barriers. So then you can receive them because if your own barriers are up, you're, you're, it's kind of like you can't receive their message. They can't receive what you're saying. And it, it just it kind of bounces around and, and it, the communication doesn't quite get through and it can't be received. And then things go a little astray. As far as, as, far as do I ever feel, it's quite interesting because I don't think I ever feel really disrespected um, myself personally. You know, we were talking about it because everything to me, I think I've gotten to the point where when someone's shy, like giving me whatever it is that they're doing, I can just go, well, that's an interesting point of view. And it's just that. It's just that's your stuff. You know, you don't know what that person's past is. You don't know the filters that they've got through which they see the world through. The, the information is being interpreted. Whatever it is that's coming at you is really just an interesting point of view. And if you can receive it in that way and you can just say to yourself, well, that's an interesting point of view. It's a very, it's, it, it calms that whole thing because it never has to go to arguments and it never has to go to anywhere. It's just, I acknowledge that your, your point of view is interesting. It's different. It's not a judgment. You're not right or wrong for having it. It's just interesting. And then from there, in t inside my head, I'm asking, you know, what kind of question can I ask here to unlock some sort of awareness that they might see a different possibility for what's going on here? So like you said as well, what, you know, when you ask me that question in that way, do you think that's the best way to get a, like a positive response out of me? Because I can tell you that it makes me feel this way. And, you know, if you think that that's, if you really think that that's the best way to grease this wheel, you know, I would probably suggest you try something different. But you don't have to. You can carry on like you are. But I can tell you now, you're not going to get the most favorable response. But it's your choice. See, now that's exactly what I'm yeah. talking about. That little piece right there yeah. is how when people go, so how do yeah. I command respect? Or how do I demand respect? Or how do I earn respect? That little piece right there, is ex that's the nuts and bolts of it. Is when someone's addressing you in a particular way and you can have that conversation to, with them. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. And that will also stem from the feeling of going, you've now just pushed the button. You've just disrespected me. Most of the time, the response is a defensive response or a, an argumentative response. Reactive. Very reactive. Reactive, yeah. So that's exactly, those nuts and bolts right there, that's exactly what I was talking about. When you can have that conversation with the other person going, do you think that that's going to grease this wheel? And that's what I was talking about. That's exactly what I'm digging into. Mm. That's the mechanism to get the person to awareness. Yeah. And then they realize, oh, hang on a second. And this is where it gets interesting because it's not only that's how they treat you. They've been treating themselves like that. Yeah. And it pushes their own buttons. Like, I haven't been respecting myself enough. It's projecting. It's spilling over to everybody else. And I'm not respecting anybody else. Yeah. Unfortunately, now I'm in an environment or now I'm in a space where I'm with someone who respects themselves. And they have self-respect. And I'm treating them the way that I think is going to get me whatever it is I want. But for them, that's, no, there's a firm mm. boundary there. 
Yeah. That is exactly yeah. my point of going, that's it. Yeah. But so let me just dig into that one more time. Yeah. So you know what I'm talking That's exactly what you're talking about. When you say that, when, you, when you're having that conversation, in my mind, and we're just obviously zooming into the topic of, there's a complete lack of respect. In other words, why would we need to have that kind of conversation with a person? Why would they feel that they can just disrespect you to any degree and you're going to eat whatever they give you? Well, there's so many, I mean, there's so many possibilities around that, aren't there? I mean, is it a learned, is it a learned pattern of behavior? You know, are they just duplicating what they've seen from parents? And that goes back to this thing that you were talking about where, you know, because we think respect is earned, but it's not really. It's, 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 you are an example. And, and that's the thing. It's, I, I, you know, because I work so much with kids, the greatest thing, I keep trying to tell parents, it doesn't matter what you say to them. It doesn't matter that you label them or that you medicate them or you do whatever. They are going to copy you. It doesn't matter what words you say or what punishments you put in place or how you judge them. They're going to duplicate you. And if you want them to be greater versions of them, they're offering you an opportunity through being a mirror to you to be able to change. So right now, what you're judging them for is actually what you're judging you for. You know? And can you look at that as a parent and can you then change that? Because if you can be an example to them of change, they will respect you. That's when they will start to respect. You can't command respect. It just doesn't, it, it's, you can't. It's just not one of those things. You are either a person who's to be respected, whose people go, I, I, I want that. I'm grateful for that. For me, gratitude means I want more of it. You know, like when you go, when I go, you know, like when your wife, you know, when you're with your wife and you go, I'm grateful for it. Are you really, do you always want some more of that? You know, but I'm grateful for certain actions. I want more of that in my life. Absolutely. I'm grateful for, that's, that's when I know, you know, and, and. It's, for me, it's, it just comes down to that. Like, there's such a strong gratitude aspect to respect. I'm grateful for you mm. because you influence my life in a positive way. In some regard, that's why you, can, you don't have to like them. But they can, they, can, they, can, they can challenge you. Their example, you know, David Goggins. I, don't, I think his attitude is nuts, personally. But I can get behind <laughs> a lot of what he's saying. You know what I'm saying? I respect it. I, the fact that there's a human being out there that is such an outlier that he's pushing the envelope so hard and so far in a certain direction. Is it for me? No, absolutely not. But I can respect it. Do I like him as a person? I'm not sure I'd want to sit down at the same table with him, you know, and, and have a conversation. <laughs> I don't think I would. I don't think I'd have as much fun as I would with like my boys. Yeah. But it, it's, it's, that, it's that anything that challenges you or, or creates a, p a possibility for you to change and gives you something to look at and go, more of that. More of that in my world, that energy. I want more of that. Then I, that's when, for me, that's when that respect starts. You know, and I think it's just happened with the group of with us three men that are in the room. I think we are to be respected or just because we're examples. You know, we, we, we live exemplary lives. Now, that's a twist I'd put on it because mm. it was also something in my head. What's the difference between commanding respect and demanding respect? Mm. Yeah. Commanding respect is just being. Okay. Demanding it is, you must, you, you will must. give this to me. Mm. And the question is why? What is in your makeup that I must? Yeah. When the answer in the other way is, it is in my makeup. It is. And you just command it. So as you're saying, your, you know, your grandfather or our grandfathers, you never mess with them. You know, it's you one of those things like when it's your father gets home, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's commanding it in that, in that space. They don't demand it. It's just being. I was going to say, for me personally, if I'm talking about respect, on the one hand, a lot of it's got to do with trust. And on the other hand, it's got to do with conflict. Right? So... I'll get to, to what I'm thinking. So if you're in a position where, and I keep saying it because it's something that changed the game for me, was self-respect. 
That was a big game changer for me. And that, that completely changed my life on so many levels, you know. And, and you touch on the point of uh, respecting your boundaries and your space. I mean, that's so important. Massive. You know, of Massive. who you let in, what you let in, who you let out, what you let out. So it's just so important to have that. But I guess that comes with levels of awareness as you progress through life. So if I'm just going to put myself in my company, for example, I find that when clients respect you, they trust you. And there's no conflict. So there's no, uh, you're not doing this properly or this work sucks or we don't like that person that works in your team. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. It's kind of like, Andre, how can we journey through this? How can we maneuver through this obstacle? So there's already like a sense of trust. You know, they already, you know that they trust you without them even saying it. So whereas if there's no respect in, in for me personally, there's conflict. There's always some kind of conflict. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. There's a button. There's a button. There's, there's a button. There's, there's like something. That <laughs> is. It's, you know, it's friction. It's, it's, mm. And you're right. It's simply the other party or parties projecting, right, on on you their level of unself-respect, if you want to call it that, or this disrespect. It's their disrespect, yeah. For themselves. And well, it's both. It's not only for themselves. Uh, it's it's also for the other person. and And part of it for me is also... You know, if we go back to just watch a, a cat in the wild, they, if they see something that's still, but it interests them, they'll, they'll kind of tap it to see if it'll run away because now the game's on. You know, they want to see if it's, is it going to move. And they always say when, you know, if a lion approaches you, don't turn and run because it'll just run you down. And that is very much alive in every creature or any, every uh, animal with a nervous system in that sense of, um, you know, we want to see what's going what's gonna to happen. We need, to test, we need to test our environment. So this is, and again, a level of unconsciousness without, mm. with you know, lack of self-awareness. Yeah. Uh, we unconsciously or naturally are going to have this, this thing that goes, let's just test the person. I just want to push and see how far can I push you? Yeah. Like, do you know where your boundaries are? Or what are your boundaries? Or what is the button? What is yeah. the button? <laughs> and at the same time, and it's, and it's done from two different places. The one is just, they just do it. And the other one is doing it because of their immature need, whatever it is. And, um, and as you say, it's in those moments where this, it creates conflict. Yeah. But most of the time, the conflict is completely unconscious. And eventually, the conversation happens like this going, but why, why, are, we talking, why, why are you talking to me like that? Or why do you say these things to me? Or why are you treating me like this? And you look at the person uh, and you're like, are you, are you asleep? <laughs> I'd like to use stronger language, but are you asleep? It's like, do you really like what? Uh, do I need a mirror next to me, like, what, like so that you can see yourself while you're treating me this way? Oh man! And then the natural ability of a, or the natural tendency of a human when they experience that stuff, and especially conflict or friction, most humans will want to, you know, they'll pull back, and especially on the on the lower self awareness scale, they'll they'll first pull back, but with a higher self awareness and also arrogance. The, that kind of human will push forward and going, okay, cool, I kind of like this. Or where is this going? Again, that developing mindset, the, the growth mindset of going, well, let, where does this go? Let's see where this goes. So they'll push. But when it gets to these dynamics, and this is what I'm also getting to, when it gets to the dynamics of dealing with people like this, some people won't want to address the conflict because 
They don't like conflict. They don't know how to deal with it. That also comes to the point of, well, you won't deal with conflict. How can I respect you? Because, again, how can I trust you? Because if I can't tell you my truth, if I can't just tell you what's on my mind, not because I'm attacking you, but I'm just telling you what's on my mind, and the trust in that of going, all I'm asking you is to take this, look at it like a present, unwrap it, look what's in the box, see what's going on, and go, okay, cool, thank you for giving this to me. I don't have to do anything with it, or now that I know what it is. Most of the time the person receives that box and it's like, oh, this is a reflection of me, that you judging me. And they open the box and it's like, but this is, this is, this is not my color. And, you know, don't you know who I am? And, and, and they'll go into all of that complete shutdown direction. Like the, the internal dialogue in their head just sends them in a completely different direction of, you know, this is how the person treated me. It's like, no, I just want you to look at something. And then this also works both ways. I think a person that has high self-respect, and I'm talking for... You know, also a high maturity and a high self-awareness goes, okay, you've exactly what you said. Sometimes they say things to you and go, is this mine or is it theirs? And I can take it on board and thank you for sharing. Great. And people go, why aren't you emotional about this? Like, what, like this would really upset me. And you think to yourself, yes, it probably would because that's you. This isn't, this isn't upsetting me because I don't treat myself like that or I don't take this on board like that. But that doesn't mean that we don't have the internal dialogue. We have this conversation with ourselves, process it first, and then come back. And that for me is where this, exactly those things, you know, let's call it respect, trust. Because underneath all of those things, those topics come, now I have honesty. Now we have all of these things, commitment, integrity, and all of those little things. And that's, that's why the door for me opens like that. And respect isn't necessarily number one or integrity isn't necessarily number one, or trust isn't necessarily number one. Depends at the, the, the angle that you come at it. And then inside that box, or inside that room, or inside that arena, those things already exist. And it's inside those, those arenas, or inside that arena, where, you know, things like honor. You know, we do this for our honor. And, and oftentimes we do things just because, you know, honor is um, it's, it's imaginary in our own heads, but it's our own honor. And we'll die on our own sword for that thing. And yeah, sometimes it's to our detriment and sometimes it's to our benefit. Most of the time it's to our detriment. You know, again, when it comes down to the Titanic, you know, women and children first. Yeah, and they exactly. Put, put them all on there. And I guarantee you, some, not all, but I guarantee you some of those survivors that probably had survivor's guilt going, oh, they saved me, but everyone else died. Uh, but of course, there's, there must have been a few that said, well, thank goodness I was a woman or thank goodness I was a child at that stage. And thank goodness I got into the life raft. Very simply put, I think the direction I'm going also is it's nothing that can just be pinned down once. It needs to be looked at from multiple perspectives. It needs to be looked at at multiple angles. Yeah, and then addressing it from multiple angles. And that's why I say from the one side, we look at it. What does it mean to us? And then what does it look like to the other person? Yeah. Yeah, I think in, I think in relationships, they call it intimacy. You Pretty know, much. Any relationship that you've got, intimacy is that safe space where you can, where you can speak your truth. Yeah. You know, and the, your greatest relationships are going to be the ones where you have the most intimate spaces. You know, Andre and I have the man, the man corner, you know, where we... Are <laughs> <laughs> you intimate? Where, you know, where we, becomes, there's a bromance. You know, intimate. But, but we do. We are able to, we're able to say things to each other, you know, about our lives and, and probably even to each other. You know, and if, I think with my, with my, with the people that I know that I have the most intimacy with, I can say whatever it is that I want and they'll receive it in such a way and go, thank you for sharing that with me. And then ask me questions to unlock it. Because I know that in that moment, what I know that I'm not right 
You know what I'm saying? About something that I'm sharing. I'm, I've got an angst in my world. I've got something I'm trying to process. I've got something that I'm trying to shift. I'm not trying to make the other person wrong for what it is. That's the thing. And that's it the problem. It might be wrong it's, anyway. But, uh, yeah, no, <laughs> I'm kidding. No, but I mean, it, it, it's, it's, not, it's, it's that I've got this thing and I want to I talk about it. You know, like if I'm, if I'm in a relationship, like I'm kind of between relationships now, I guess you could say. or you know, But I do know that if I have a relationship again, I want to be able to... To, to, to have that, you know, to have that intimacy where I can go and speak and it's going to be well received, you know, and it's not going to be, oh, well, this is now about me. It's not about you. This is about, even though I'm saying to you, oh, I've got this problem about the way that I feel about you. It's not, I'm not saying that you're wrong for the way, I'm saying that I want to process and I don't want to feel this way. So can we, I just want to tell you this to make you aware of it so that if I seem off or I seem strange, this is what's going on in my world. And can you be a contribution to me anyway? I don't want you to change it. I don't want you to change. I just want you to hear me and offer me a question or some perspective back that unlocks me from this because I don't want to have buttons and I don't want to have a weakness in my world. I don't want to have this, I don't want to have this vulnerable, this, 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 this area where like I feel emotion and, and irritation. I don't want to be, have that trigger. So if I can, if I can tell you about it and you can be a contribution to me removing it, not removing yourself from it so that you're cutting off parts of yourself. I want you to stay the same. I want me to change. But to have that in a relationship where you have that level of intimacy is very, very difficult. And we, we almost expect it, especially those of us, especially if you're more conscious, you just go, you, 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 you can't understand that the other person can't just be that or receive it the way that you would because you want to hold a space for them. You can hold space for people. And I think the more self-aware you are, the more you understand, oh, I can hold a space here. You know, this isn't what they say isn't a truth for me. I can make it a truth for me if I resist or react. But if I just go okay, that's a very interesting point of view or just that's an interesting choice or just, you know, that's an interesting statement. And then we have a discussion around that, but I don't take it on board and I don't make it mine. And that's, you know, for anybody who's listening, that's a great place for you to start when you're in relationship and you're reacting or resisting. Because the moment you resist or react, you make that person right. You make their, their judgment or whatever it is of you, you've just made it yours instantaneously. And now you've created a space where you can have an argument about it because you feel judged, but they're not really judging you. Or are they, you know, um, and it just creates, it creates conflict like Andre was talking about. But um, you nearly said the word. Um, what did I say? The, that's actually also one of the things, like you said, in the layers of respect is, is actually vulnerability. Vulnerability. But the difference is vulnerability is not whining. Mm-mm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I can be vulnerable. I can share with you. I can tell you, this is not working for me. But I can't whine. <laughs> you know what? I hate the way you're doing that. <laughs> That's not going to earn anyone's respect. Yeah. You know? And the most so, likely won't do it differently. They'll probably do yeah. it worse. <laughs> yeah. And they think they're doing something different. Because, because you've yeah. just fed their monster. You've just fed their monster. So, um, there's, I mean, we've spoken about it before. There's actually great power in like a masculine vulnerability, you know, and, and most great leaders are actually quite vulnerable, you know. So, um, did they, like Andrew said, did they demand the respect? No, they command it, you know. So, um, yeah, and, and you're quite right. Sometimes when you open the door, for vulnerability, it gets shut in your face yeah. very quickly. So, um, yeah, it's not always every safe space. And I can tell you guys now, I mean, out of all the hundreds of people I deal with, all the many things that I'm involved in, uh, all the kind of like stuff we do, 
there's probably two or three points in my life of conflict or two three sources of conflict and i can pin those down like to those three things yeah and it's unfortunately it's some of the closest relationships in my life you know i'm guessing that's why a lot of people then do things external to the relationship that's causing them conflict because somewhere else you are respected you know, somewhere else in another multi-universe or another parallel <laughs> life that you have outside of this room, uh, you're doing whatever. We watched this show the other night about the river runner, this kayaking guy. I mean, it was an incredible story. And uh, he just chose that and he earned himself a ton of respect against all the odds, you know, so... It's going to come down to the conversation of the respect is in the eye of the beholder at the end of the day. Well, the thing that you said there is you, know, you can pin it down to not only three things or three people or three relationships or three things, whatever it is. Yeah. It's in those moments for me as well, a self-respecting person, because some people say, why would you put up with that? Yeah. It's very simple. I've made a commitment here, and I respect myself enough to follow through on that commitment, one, and the other side of it is going respecting the other person, knowing that they are not wherever I'm coming from or I'm not where they are coming from, it really becomes this massive flower with many petals. It just opens up. It's not about putting up with bullshit. It's not about accepting anything or it's not about also shutting the other person down. Yeah. Inside these relationships, unconsciously, again, unconsciously, they don't even know it. They are absolutely disrespecting, I'll use the collective word, us or you. They're disrespecting you, but they don't even realize it. It's about bringing them to awareness, going, do you know when you do that, you show me no respect? Now, listen to those words. You show me no respect. I'm not whining about it. I'm not crying about it. I'm not even demanding that you respect me. And it's a perspective. Let's unpack that. Okay, wait. So when I do that, it shows you no respect. What if the person sat on the other side and said, but then what does respect look like to you? Are they prepared to get into your page? Are they prepared to also put their stuff down and go, Okay, hang on a second. I didn't know this. Now we're going into relationships. I'm going, but you're very important to me. It's important that I show you that I do respect you. You know, I mean, this is bordering the word. I don't know if it's the same for you guys, but for me, it's the word love is even coming in here. It's when you love the person or you love the relationship or you love the process, whatever it is, now you're bringing in a high degree of love and caring into this whole process. And you say to the person, do you know that when you do that, you're showing me no respect? I'm not saying you need to change. I'm not saying you need to even do it differently. Because let's say the person, now I'm going to play a scenario. If the person played the scenario and said, I totally hear you. This is where I'm coming from, or this is what I'm doing. When I'm doing this, this is on my mind. I can sit there and go, you know what? I actually didn't look at it like that. So I felt it as disrespect. But meanwhile, you're coming from a completely different place. Not seeing it in the same way I am. And then maybe if I get out of, over my own stuff, the reality might be that they're actually bringing in a high degree of respect for you because their motive might be doing something that'll benefit you in the long run. The dynamics of this whole thing really starts to become, again, like a big spider web in my mind. I think that's one of the, the reasons why we have a conversation like this is so that we can explore this so it's not just one cut and dry thing. You need to treat me like this. You need to say these words to me. You need to talk like this to me. You need to be like this around. In other words, you need to be a particular way when you're around me. And that is not a, that, that's not respect because you're not respecting the other person. 
Yeah. And in that moment, I really doubt if anyone has that perspective, I doubt that that person will earn the other person's respect. They might, and I'll use the words very deliberately, they might obey. <laughs> they won't necessarily respect. Hmm. For me, the place is, it's, it's very simple. It's coming from a place of power or force. Yeah. It's very interesting. Um, I would, it's, for me, it's interesting you talk, and maybe we'll be jumping the gun a little bit, but just about if a person, because you can perceive what somebody else is thinking about themselves. You know, if a, if a fat girl walks into the room and she carries herself well, you know what I mean? She's, she flows a sexual energy, you know what I mean? She's confident in who she is. Your mind doesn't go, fat pig. Do you know what I'm saying? But if a girl walks into the room and that's what her thoughts or feelings are, are about her, the way she carries herself, you can perceive that. You can, you can hear their thoughts and you can perceive it as an energy. And in the same way, somebody who doesn't respect themselves can't really expect to command respect if they don't respect themselves. And it's the same thing with love, really. You know, it's kind of what I've been going through right now in my, my relationship that I'm kind of separating from is this person commands love from me or demands love from me, but doesn't love themselves in the same way doesn't respect me, but doesn't respect themselves and wants me to respect back. Same thing with gratitude, et cetera, et cetera. And it's all this, it all stems back to this thing, you know, where people want and demand or desire this thing from you because you are, I guess you are a great, a great energy that they want some of that. But you can't, it's not on demand. You know, you have to. I want, I want, I want, you must, you must, you must, you have to, you have to, you have to. It's like, okay, totally get that. Yeah. Can you have the same conversation with yourself before you have it with me? Hmm. No, no, but that's not how the game's played. Because you must, you must, you must, because I want, I want, I want, and you must, you must, you must, you must. I don't know how to play that game. I know how to play the game and I know how to win the game. But at the end of it, we're going to have one winner, which would be me, and, uh, <laughs> and and we'll have a loser, which will be you. And and in a way, we'll both be crying because I know that I've hurt your feelings and you will feel hurt because that's how I play. Yeah. So I'd rather just not play this game. And then when people from the outside see, but then why did you do that? Because I really know what the alternatives look like from my point of view. Exactly that, that demand of you must, you have to, you will, you, will, you need to, you know, this is the world I was raised in or whatever it is great i'd love to give you your needs can we have a conversation about it it's like no there's no conversation to be had you just must yeah well in that moment it doesn't feel like you're respecting me as a person or just me as an energy or you're just not respecting Mm. any you don't even respect the situation because i just don't know what it looks like yeah and that's what i'm actually digging into what does it look like okay so along those lines then if you had so much self-respect for yourself could anyone else disrespect you hmm you know, would you have that as a, as a, as a weakness then? Would you have it as a, as a, a possibility in your world? Or would you just be able to receive their stuff as just being their stuff? And you are a, you recognize yourself as an infinite being full of possibility, potential love, etc. that can receive this and just flow love back and, and, and give them what, what is, what they are able to receive. Cause that's a very important thing because not everybody is able to receive you know, the lesson you, you, for some people, it's tiny, small, little incremental stones. Sometimes it's just going, listen, you know, that was a bit off sides and that's all they're going to understand. You know, for some people, you can really unlock something great. You can create an epiphany in their worlds that they will go they, It shudders them and they go, wow, but they have to be prepared to receive that. And that's where that question of, you know, what can this person receive right now? 
and then you kind of and then whatever comes out of your mouth next you can flow because you know you've asked the question it's already that's you unlocking and, and flowing and if it feels and if it doesn't land or it feels heavy then you again you have that choice through question and following the energy of what of the situation you can you can go somewhere else but you know if, if somebody doesn't want to change and somebody doesn't want to have a look at what is you know but, then there's there's only so far you can go but you you have the I believe you have the possibility, the potential to never feel disrespected. Well, I was going to say, so um, if you feel disrespected, what level of self-respect do you have? Right? So, I mean, yeah, and, and for me personally, it comes to those three spots in my life. Yeah. Where it's usually where I feel, okay, I'm disrespected. Then I question, okay, what level of awareness am I? Because I tend not to feel the fire, you know. I tend to, Andrew talks about it. You shut down and you go into the forest, like a man, <laughs> like a man. And I go and chop trees and yeah. well, go and throw things around in the bush and yeah. you know excavate holes and climb mountains and break ankles. <laughs> you know, it's and all things code like for that. drinking. <laughs> 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 what about that? <laughs> I look at it like this. No matter how you put it, let's say no matter how high on the totem pole you are, you could still feel disrespected. Let's say you respect yourself to, you know, 100%. You will because you know the contrast. You know the difference. Yeah. What you do with it afterwards, now that's something completely different. Mm. Correct. But you'll yeah. still feel that you're being disrespected in this phone call, in this space, in this situation. Whatever it is. Yeah. Because that's self-awareness. Yeah. You know, just because you become, let's use the word enlightened, and I'm not saying I'm enlightened by any stretch of the imagination, you're aware of it. The only difference now is you know what the mechanism is. Because when we are unconscious to our emotions, our feelings, and these things are strange to us, or we use these things as directives, you know, I feel angry, so my directive is let's kill everyone, or let's shout and scream, or go bananas, or be belligerent or be nasty or whatever it is. Those are not directives. It's just a signal. It's just feedback. To me personally, I think it's the unconscious one who never feels disrespected. If someone says, oh, I never feel disrespected. Oh, yeah. And especially listen to the voice tone. Oh, yeah. In that moment, they, they, they do know what it feels like and they are disrespected very regularly. They're just living in denial. Yeah. And denial is not just, it's not only a river in Africa. Um, to me, they're in denial. The question is, what do you do with it afterwards? Because here's, this is my perspective. Yeah. And I make it clear when I say it's my perspective. It's not that you need to take it on. This is where you command respect. Because if you can feel it and stay present, if you feel it and be with the person or be with the process and go through the motions, go through the, go through the steps, go through the recipe, it doesn't mean that you need to stay in the situation. It doesn't mean that you need to live there. It doesn't mean that you need to you know, bend your will. It doesn't mean any of that. It's to stay present in that moment. What you do with it afterwards. Yeah. To answer the question, if there was a question. <laughs> if you respect yourself to a high degree or if you have high self-respect, would you ever feel disrespected? My point of view, yes, you would be. Mm. Because mm. now you know it and you recognize it very quickly. And now here's the thing. The way the brain works, the brain works in the way that it needs instant feedback so that we know exactly where it is. If a child was naughty, or let's even take an animal. Let's say a dog was naughty a week ago. And then today you walk in and suddenly now you need to discipline them. They've got no connection between what is actually going on. There's no language. There's no communication. 
if a child is naughty last week and suddenly you want to discipline them this week and suddenly it's like, hang on a second, there's a massive gap between these two things. When the, the event and let's call it the result or the repercussion or the cause and the effect are very closely linked, our brain recognizes it. It's how we experience a trauma. And if we have a trauma, if let's say we fall off the bike and we're riding our bicycle and we ride into a car, the, the smell that you get in the nose, the, the light, the colors, mm. everything is being stored instantly. So your brain is going, this is what happened in that moment. You know, if you're in the, out in the wild and you hear a line really close to you, your brain's going to know that this is now. You're not going to just start feeling fight and flight or a freeze next week. You need it in the moment. So a high degree of awareness is knowing in the moment and then knowing what to do with it in the moment. Yeah. And the best is to catch it. So the moment that you feel it or the moment that the person does whatever it is or, the way, or in the moment that we do it, it's also great having another self-aware person around you to go, hey, do you know what you just did? And the person goes, yeah. what do you mean? It's like when you use that voice tone with that person or when you said that to me or when you said that to the other person, do you know that you did X, Y, Z? Oh, shit, no, what, uh, completely unconscious. Thank you. No need to take it personally. No need exactly. to get upset about it. Just go, yeah. yeah, I didn't see it that way. Or how about this? You know what? I get that you look at it from that point of view. That's not my point of view, and that's not why I did it. Let's unpack this box. Let's, you know, let's, let's take the furniture out, and let's take a look what it looks like. Yeah. And by the end of it, we pack it back. You can still walk away with your same opinion, but now you've got a different perspective. Or at least, you know, like you vacuumed the floor. The, yeah. the, the, the whole environment is just a little fresher. But when we're living in a stale point of view going, you know, I've had this point of view since I was three years old, and I'm never going to change it. I'm not willing to give up that point of view because mommy and daddy always gave when I just behaved like this. Yeah. Just because you disrespected your parents and they allowed that doesn't mean that I need to be that because I'm not your parent. Hmm. And in fact, if you want me to parent you, then let me give you a taste of my particular flavor of parenting. <laughs> and again, it's just a perspective. Yeah. What I finally land on, and this is if I had to land the plane, no matter what the perspective is, is does this move you forward? Does it get you to a better space? Does it get it to a place where we can now start to really see each other? That whole avatar, I see you. Or does it actually move us away? Correct, yeah. Because if it's moving us away on a, on a consistent basis, eventually, like two ships in the night, eventually just so far away that there's no relationship anymore. You know, if one, if the, if the boats were parked together in, in a dock, their relationship is they're next to each other, they're close. But if you go out to sea and then one boat is suddenly over the horizon, Eventually, there's no, if you use the word relationship, because you're so far apart, and it's just in a perspective point of view. If your perspectives are so far apart, what kind of relationship do you really think you're going to have? No wonder you're going to have conflict. You're going to have disagreement. You know, one person is going to say, look at the storm. The other person is going, look at the sunshine. <laughs> and the only thing is because you're on different sides of the planet, and you're both seeing, let's call it the reality. You're seeing one thing, and I'm seeing something completely different. Or we're just looking in two totally different directions. But I mean, <laughs> yeah. I get to the point of going, what does it take to stop looking in your direction, look in the other person's direction just for a fraction of a second, and maybe with a bit of luck they will look in your direction, because they probably won't. But if we can get to the point of we respect ourselves enough, a, a self-respect, and according to me, a self-respecting person has the self-respect, or they respect themselves enough to give up their point of view, to look at it from the other person's point of view for a while, they don't have to pick it up, but at least they know what it looks like. So they know where the other person's coming from. And in that moment, a higher degree of self-respect and a higher degree of respect for one another, it just blossoms, it just blooms. It just, you know, it's like growing a plant. Mm. You plant that seed, you nurture it, you give it water, you give it sunlight, you give it nutrients, 
that plant will grow. My perspective. It's a useful perspective. And, and it's interesting. When that, um, when that feedback lands, you can almost feel your heart rate immediately go up. Yeah. Right? So whatever that feedback is, then you feel yourself, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, you're quite right. It's what you do with it. It you is know? what you do with it. How, what am I going to do in this moment and what am I going to do after this moment, mm. you know, with that feedback? Yeah. So, and it usually comes when you're not expecting it. <laughs> in the blind side. It's always yeah. like <laughs> a blind side. Right. That's the, for me, it's the, best, it's the best time. The best time <laughs> is when you're, not, time. When, you're not, when you're not expecting to actually be respected and suddenly it's like, holy shit, they do respect me. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. T- um, but I... I I mean, we talk a lot about, uh, you know, being mirrors of each other and projecting on one another. And uh, I guess respect is generally a mirror. And it's the universe that you've created for yourself, right? I mean, it's, uh, I respect you. I have a high amount of respect for you. I respect you. I have a high amount of respect for you. So, yeah, and I guess for me, the takeaway on this whole respect thing is, also, just drop your own barriers in terms of judgments, right? yeah. because we do it all the time. Mm. We're always judging whether we like it or not. We walk into a room. We do some workshops, by the way. <laughs> 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 you walk into the room and you immediately start judging. You start labeling. Mm. You start doing all these things that we do as humans. I mean, we program to do these things for survival. Yeah. You know? Part so, of our biology. Um, yep. It's part of our biology. So, uh, and I'm guessing the, the, the takeaway is, for me personally, is the more you can work on yourself and the more you can continuously learn, at some point your levels of self-respect are not saying they're going to be magnificent or great or amazing or I'm the best oak in the world or whatever it is, but you're certainly going to get to a level where your universe is going to respect you in that space. Yeah. So, um yeah, just uh, we got a motto. Basically, every new employee that joins us sign a "Don't be a dick" contract. So, <laughs> the D bad. It's the D bad. So basically, just don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. Don't be yeah, a dick. Don't be a dick. Yeah. Just, just be lacquer. <laughs> That's what I told my kids on the weekend. I said D B A D D bad. Just remember D bad. <laughs> D bad. Yeah. Yeah, it's an uh, interesting conversation. I just want to say one thing for me. It's I've been thinking of this analogy. It's like it's like somebody when they disrespect you, it's like they've 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 taken off their spiny shirt and they've thrown it at you, you know. And it stings you for a moment because obviously there's like that that moment of oh hold on a second, what was that, you know? And and the more the more your barriers are down, to be honest, the more that thing's going to hit you straight in the face and you're going to feel it. But it's it's up to you as to whether or not you're going to take that shirt, put it on, and then wear it, you know, afterwards. You know, because you don't have to. And that's the thing. It's it, But it's. I think a lot of people are just so attracted to drama and to trauma that they just can't help but take that shirt and put it on and, and then and then get, it, get stuck roll into it. And roll in it. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? They like, they just, it's all of a sudden, that's all they get fixated on. And they're so drawn and, and attracted to it that the drama and the trauma just becomes so attached to that, that over there, you know? And that's, for me, I run a lot of processes on that. Because you find myself being drawn to it all the time. It's so, it's so innate. And it's so funny what you were saying about biology. I think, honestly, I, for me, self-awareness and becoming like more conscious, is, is, it feels almost 
exclusively like I'm fighting my biology. Yeah. You know, everything is, all the judgment comes from tribalism. You know what I'm saying? The, the, the overeating, the addictions come from, you know, come from gluttony and, and the, 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 the need for excess because we grew up for thousands of years, you know, like starving yeah. or If it was scrounging. there, you got to eat it, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's, 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 it's this constant fight against our biology. And even against each other. I mean, it's the tribalism, isn't it's it? It's the tribalism. Mm. You, you, you had to fight the opposing tribe to survive. You had to fight members within your own tribe yeah. to survive. You had to kill mm. the chief to become the next chief. Yeah, or, or, or they would kill you. <laughs> they, they would kill you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's super interesting. One last comment on that exactly, but as a question. The person that picks that spiky shirt up, puts it on, and then rolls in it just so they can feel more pain. Do you think that that's a behavior of a self-respecting person? You don't need to answer that. <laughs> no need to answer that. <laughs> At this point, you can pause the podcast. There is not necessarily one definitive answer to this question. Clearly, respect is connected to so many things. And respect is almost a generalization, like being happy when all the other cylinders in our life are firing. And everything's generally going well. We say we're happy. Perhaps respect is one of those things. One of the other things I noticed is the difficulty it takes to become the other person, to see it from the other person's point of view. Not that we seek a reason. We don't need a reason. The whole point of this conversation is to explore, to arrive at a place, or to see where we are coming from, to see where the other person's coming from. And then through that conversation, see if we can arrive at the same place, or at least come from the same place. The simple highlight here is it's not about doing it their way, or about doing it our way, or making some dramatic change in your life. That isn't you. We are all capable of these things. It's simply being aware of what we are doing, and how our behavior affects each other. It works both ways. It's a two-way street. The question is, how often do we explore both sides of the point of view? And sometimes the smallest change makes the biggest difference. We were a little pressed for time because of the load shedding schedules, and I really wanted to dig into the other side. Yeah, so let's see if we can spin it around. Let's look at it from another point of view. Let's see, can we put ourselves into the position of the other person and almost like with a little bit of satire, play the role of being them, of... I say I respect you, but all my behavior, my voice tone, the words I use, everything is just communicating that I don't. And it's actually up to you to earn that respect. In other words, everything about my behavior, because my biology, my, my, my physical makeup is designed to test you. So if I'm that person, so I'm going to play that role for a second, I'm the person that I'm just built to test you. So it's actually up to you to prove to me that you are worthy of being respected. What does that look like? Hmm. Sure. So let me, I'll play, I'll play it again. So it's like, hmm. you say, well, just, just trust me on this one. No, but I, why should I trust you? Well, just trust me. Again, why, now, now, without being philosophical, I want to see if we can play the role of that other person. Be that other person going, well, I don't trust you. I'll say I trust you, but I don't behave like I trust you. We trust the other person going, oh, we're going to put them into a room full of naked, good-looking people, whatever it is, you know, to be non-specific. What does that look like? Do we actually trust them? But I want, to pl I want to play the role of, I say I trust you, I say I respect you, I say I love you, I say I care for you, I say all these things. But every other channel, 
every other channel of communication is signaling, I don't trust you, I don't respect you, uh, I don't believe in you, um, and it's basically everything's up to you. And, and, and this is a, it's almost a directive that's written into me. No matter what you do, no matter how many times you prove to me that I can trust you, no matter how many times you prove to me that I can respect you, no matter how many times I, that you prove this to me, I need that to be done again. I need you to prove it to me again and again and again and again and again. And it's consistent. What does that feel like? What does it look like? Have you had a, situ have you had a situation like this in your life? Hell yeah. Have you had a situation like this? <laughs> yeah, it's life? still going on. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk from that perspective of going, we hear the words. Which is more important to us? I'll go around the, around the circle. Which one's more important to you, the words or the actions? Definitely the actions. Which one's more important to you? Oh, absolutely the actions. Okay. It has to be the actions. Yeah. Okay, so for me, also the actions. And I know they say actions speak louder than words. But what does actions mean? Those channels are way more open. Those channels are much more consistent. So if you say you respect me, what does it look like? If you say you trust me, what does it look like? Does it? And I'll go around the circle again. D does it mean that the person needs to do and behave exactly what you say they should do? No. Does it mean that they need to do and behave exactly the way that you want them to? No. Okay, and I'll answer for myself as well. No, it doesn't mean that they need to behave in a particular way or they need to do it my way or everything that they're doing is wrong. Okay, let's ask the question again. Does it mean that their, let's call it their behavior, which, and I'm including attitude in this, does their behavior need to change or does there need to be some sort of course correction or alter? Yes. Does their behavior or their attitude need to change or alter? If they want to create something better for themselves, yes. If they don't, then they can stay stuck. That's exactly my question because yeah. that's mm. the thing. Is For me, I would like to see it happen. Yes. Yes. But no, do no. they need to? They don't need to. No, no, no. That's the whole thing. Is it's not yeah. that they need to. Yeah. Because I'm going into the other person's world because the other person might be listening to this whole thing and going, oh, yeah, I know, but I do all of this all the time. I say to my partner, I love them. I tell them that I respect them. And unconsciously, they don't even know that they are signaling on every other channel. Yeah. I mean, even now when we're having a podcast, we've got three, three channels. You know, you've got my voice, you've got Chet's voice, you've got Andre's voice. You know, on, every other, on, on those channels, we could be hearing one thing, but the other, one channel could be saying something completely different. And we know we signal on different channels. We signal yeah. through our attitude. We signal through the way we present ourselves. You know, even when we get home, if you arrive home, do you actually walk in the door? And as opposed to just walking around, and I'm, I'm going to exaggerate for effect, do you just walk in, go to the TV, turn the TV on, and then it's like, oh, well, geez, like, I'm sure I had a partner here somewhere. Maybe I should go and find them. Uh, they've, they've been lying on the bathroom floor for the last three hours while you haven't been home, and they've been lying in there for the additional hour while you've been watching a show. And I'm talking about an attitude and a behavior. When you walk in the door, you go and find the person and go, hi, I'm here. I'm actually glad to be home to see you. Or how about this? If they're not home and you are, and they arrive home and you're upstairs or downstairs or on the other side of the house, do you stop what you're doing, go to them and go, hello? In other words, I'm showing, in other words, this is what a behavior looks like. Yeah. To show the person that you actually do love them, you trust them, you care for them, you respect them. You go to them and say, oh, How's it going? How was the drive? Or, I'm glad you're home. Hello. Just stop what you're doing for 30 seconds. Go back to what you're doing. Am I off about this? In that moment, would that signal to you that the person actually cares? Yes. yes. No? Yeah. Would that yeah. signal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and, and what I was going to add is, the person doesn't have to change the entire behavior on everything. No, it's, I'm talking about the little things. It's like little Little snippets mm. of, like you say, things that are unconsciously being said or done 
continuously that lead to that whole thing of, oh, fuck, they're not respecting me. Yeah, I mean, it'd be quite you know? annoying if you walk in the door and, like, suddenly you've got a scarf, you know, like they drape themselves on you and you've got to, as yeah. you're walking around trying to take a pee, <laughs> like they're, like, hanging on your neck going, oh, okay. No, that's not what we're talking about. Let's just, let's just take out the phase where your children are very little because the minute you walk home, they hand you over the baby. <laughs> you've got yeah, the, yeah, you've yeah, still yeah, got yeah, your yeah, briefcase yeah, yeah. in your tie and they walk okay your shift starts yeah, now yeah, yeah. Okay, well, so that, that one's great walk in the door respect or, or love looks like okay are you home are you have you put your stuff down cool i've had a rough day can you take the child exactly and then it's the other way around <laughs> i'll walk in i love and respect you trust you i'll walk in give me a second to put my shit down and let me take it from you yeah Exactly. No, it works two ways. I mean, you're yeah. completely right. It's, that's that's um, what I'm talking about. This is not, I'm not talking about a one-way street. I'm not saying that the yeah. other person must suddenly just do and you know, no, conform yeah. to a particular thing. This is a two-way street. For this part, I'm going, what does it look like? And what does it look like for the other person so that the other person knows what it is? And that, or, or even us, we can have a measure of going, so what does it actually look like? Yeah. It's so interesting because you know, you talk about, we talked about using becoming an example and, uh, you know, to that other person. And, and what you were saying is, you know, it's a two-way street. So in other words, if you want that thing, you can go out and get it and you can be an example of it. But there's a, there's a point sometimes in relationships where that creates expectation. Do you know what I mean? So now all of a sudden you've gone from, you've treated them great. You almost put them on a pedestal the way that you're treating them because you're actually hoping and desiring that your example is going to create that, that, that flowing back to you. But then it doesn't. And all of a sudden this, this relationship starts becoming lopsided. Because there's an expectation that gets created somewhere in the midst of it. Yep. And then all of a sudden you're getting judged when you don't do it, but they don't do it at all. So that, that, I, find, that, that's, that I find has happened in my world in a lot of relationships. I have to be very careful of just ex excessive amounts of, of respect, shall we call it. <laughs> that, that, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Can you, can you expand on that without giving too many details? But expand on that. Because that's okay. exactly it. It's like they... Humans are unconscious, and I include myself in this deal. Yeah. We do things, and it's like, but that's not what our intention is, but we're doing things unconsciously. So it's actually, it's a great space to be in relationship with someone that can bring you to awareness and go, okay, cool. But exactly that, in their mind, there's an expectation. It's like, but you've always done it this way. Yeah. Just because I've always done it this way, you know, just because I've been the one, every time I get home, I need to play hide and seek, and I need to come and find you just to let you know that I'm actually home. It would be appreciated if you just did it once in a while. You know that I'm yeah. home. Yeah. You know, the dogs have gone bananas or the whatever, is, the signal has gone off. It, it, it takes nothing. But again, that whole thing of expectation, and, and, it's, and it goes beyond of just, you know, you've set up an expectation, you've behaved like this for a while, so now this is the standard precedence. Where's the expectation of where now the expectation goes in two ways? They start to just expect you to do whatever it is they want you to do without communicating what they want. Yeah, Um well, well, listen, just just an example. I was told by someone the other day that uh, you're not aware that I'm upset. <laughs> no, because, I mean, in my mind, I really didn't register. Yeah. You know, that the other person was was clearly in angst. Um, so I worked with that feedback and, you know, and then it got said again the other day and but yeah, it's it is like because we're mirrors of each other. In order for that one to adjust, you also have to adjust, whatever it is, whether it's a pattern or a behaviour or an action. You know, as you say, action means speak louder than words. But it's also finding the right moment in time, in space and time, because if you don't find the right space and time and moment, 
whatever your effort is or whatever you're attempting to do or correct, it's not going to land. Mm. You know, respect is a very interesting thing, like the song said. <laughs> what did you like to see from the other person that would signal that they actually got you? That they got me? That's a good question. I think it would be dependent on what I was, what I was intimating or suggesting. I think a lot of the time would be some sort of gratitude for the input that I, that I, that I, that I've given. Unfortunately, this is where load shedding struck and our marks were cut off. I'm not sure how you see it. From this point of view, it seems like respect and all these things connected to it. It's a much deeper topic than just having three people sitting around having a discussion about it. Respect is more of a thing that we feel than we actually talk about. I'm not sure if any of us actually get it right all of the time. And that's part of the point. It's not about being perfect. It's not about getting it right all the time. It's being aware of the whole topic. It's being aware of the whole situation. It's being aware of ourselves. It's also us being aware when we are not aware. We all make mistakes. We feel or think we should do one thing and we don't. We do something else. Just because someone didn't do it your way that one time does not mean that they disrespect you. And just because you do other things at certain times does not mean that you disrespect them. It's almost like measuring weight on a scale. It's one little weight here, one weight on the other side. One weight there, one weight on the other side. It's when we pile the weights up on the one side of the scale and all of a sudden it tips. It's almost like watching children play on a seesaw. Or if we remember when we used to play on the seesaw ourselves. You know, as you shift your weight, you shift your weight, the seesaw balances, balances. And if you shift too fast or if you jump off the other side, that whole seesaw just tips very quickly. A key point of respect is not about being right. It's about getting it right. Whatever right means. Doing the hard things or having the hard conversations or placing yourself in hard situations. Not dangerous situations. I'm talking about placing yourself in hard situations where people demand a lot more from you. Also having the ability to give up a point of view or changing your point of view. Some of the people I respect the most is their ability to give up their point of view, especially when, especially when the conversation arrives at a place with a better replacement. In other words, they're operating in a particular way which gets them to a particular place at that particular time and they'll keep doing that. Anyone will keep doing that. Our mind is like that. It's a shortcut. We will keep doing the same things again and again because it works. The question is, if there's something that works better, why not give up the old rusty tool or the old rusty perspective? There's a word for this. It's called progress. I know there might be some shock and horror in this. There was a time where telephones were connected with a wire, connected to a wall, and there was also a time where the telephone didn't exist. It's called progress. Use what works, and when something else works better, or when there is a much deeper perspective, What's wrong with giving up a point of view? What's wrong with giving up even a belief? Something that you've believed for so long no longer serves you. These are the type of people we respect. These are the behaviors we respect. The thing is, it's also going to be very difficult is to ask a person to give up a point of view or even a belief, which actually still works, and not offer an alternative, not offer something new, not offer a replacement. The strange thing for me is when there is a replacement or an alternative, and that alternative is not chosen. Especially when the alternative is much more effective and much more efficient and has a much more direct path to where you want to be or getting you what you want. Running around in the world expecting everybody to respect you with no cause, with no demonstration, 
does not sound like a mature individual and does not sound like an opinion which needs to be respected. And I said I'd give you something to chew on. So far, I'm sure you've got plenty to chew on right now. I did a little extra research for us, and I'm going to rapid-fire some of these ideas which I've discovered, or the general idea of how people see respect. According to the definition, respect is a feeling of deep admiration for someone or something, which is elicited through their behaviors or through their abilities or their qualities, or even for their achievements. Part of a second definition is also the regard, having a due regard for the feelings or the wishes of others. Respect as a verb becomes something like admiration, or you admire someone, you admire them deeply, and generally this admiration comes from a result of their achievements, their abilities, or their qualities. As an example, things like sport. We can admire people that participate in the Olympics. That is a high achievement, especially in a particular field, in a narrow field. Respect also means that you accept someone. You accept somebody for who they are, even when they are different from you or even if they disagree with your point of view. Respect in relationships builds trust, or builds the feelings of trust, and safety, and well-being. The one thing I discovered, according to the research, is respect doesn't necessarily come naturally. It is something you learn, and it's something you earn, coming from the place of earning it. Earning doesn't mean that you demand it. When it is something that you've learned, especially self-respect, When we treat ourselves well, it's in that moment that we earn it. It's just like a skill when we go into any new endeavor or we try on a new sport. And especially if we get good at that. You know, we put in a lot of consistent, focused attention, a lot of focused and intentional practice. And the moment that we get better at that thing or get really good at it, we earn ourselves self-respect. And in that moment, we earn a skill. And skills have utility. And we go out into the world and we put these things into action. When we learn this thing for ourselves, it moves from something that we demand and it just becomes something that we are. And sometimes this is tricky because even if we put all the effort into something, even if we get good at something, even if we perform well in a particular area, this still does not mean that the people around us will respect us, especially the way that we desire it. It's got nothing to do with that. The point of fact is the more we respect ourselves, the judgment of others tends to fade away. A big takeaway to this whole thing is most of the time we do not see how we treat each other or how we're treating the other person because we are blind to it. The same thing is true for them. They do not see how they are treating us or they don't see how they are treating you. They are also blind to it. This is why it is so important to grasp this idea of respect, that respect becomes something that is learned. It's something that is earned both ways. It's it's, it's multiple ways. It's not just both, as in two It's probably four to six, maybe nine different ways of respect. Self-respect, respecting the other person, commanding the respect, just being, allowing the other person just to be themselves, noticing that they don't necessarily respect you the way that you desire or treat you the way that you want. Realize that this entire thing is a process. It's a process. It's about sharing, caring, and also seeing the alarm bells, seeing the signals from each other, seeing the signals from each person. I'm very sure that the people in your environment are definitely sending you signals on completely different communication channels, saying one thing, doing something else, or doing one thing, saying something else. We receive these signals on all these different channels all the time. I guess the thing is, before we demand respect from others, we need to take a look at ourselves. Where are we in this equation? Just because you make noise that you want respect, or just because you feel you've been disrespected, does not mean the other person's going to change, doesn't mean that they're going to give it to you, 
And it doesn't necessarily mean just because you think you're respecting yourself and behaving like a seagull. In other words, you come in, shit on everyone, and then fly away. Just because you're doing that does not earn you respect. Oftentimes, respect is quiet until it boils over, like boiling milk. You watch the milk. It's just getting warmer and warmer and warmer. And then suddenly it just boils over. It's sort of like that. The idea is to take this back into your life. Think about all the different situations in your life where you need to get along with others or others need to get along with you. Something I got from Jung Psychology. We teach people how to treat us. So we need to show other people what respect looks like by being respectful for ourselves and being respectful towards other people. We need to carefully communicate to the other person that what they are doing is not okay. And we need to be specific so that they know exactly what it is. The same thing. When we listen to this podcast, we think, okay, great, I'm going to go and tell them. Remember, the same thing which we desire from them, we need to apply to ourselves. We need to open our ears and be able to listen. Can you put yourself in their position? In other words, when you're talking to them, put yourself in the position and ask yourself, how would that conversation go down if they were talking to you in that way? Each person is unique. Each person is different. Each person has a different level of self-esteem. Each person will take the communication or the conversation completely differently. It takes a high degree of maturity to just sit and listen and then apply. Change the behavior, try new things. See if you can take on their point of view. Now, I don't know how much time you've ever spent with me. Just because a person has a point of view does not make their point of view right. That's very important. This comes down to boundaries. Just because someone has a point of view doesn't mean it works. Doesn't mean it's a good point of view. It's still a point of view. And at the end of it all, it's up to us to make our decisions. It's okay to end friendships, whatever it is, any kind of relationship, you know, whether it be family, friends, uh, even our children. It's okay to end those relationships or put a fence around them and treat them only in a particular way, in a particular light, at a particular time because of their behavior or their point of view. And at the end of it all, we all need to give ourselves a chance. Give yourself a chance. Give the other person a chance. Give them a chance to change. Give them a chance to explore. Give them a chance to make a mistake. Give them a chance to press your buttons. Give them a chance to make you angry if you want to look at it like that. Give them a chance. And then explore. Talk to other people about this. Talk to other people about their opinion. Talk to other people to get their perspective and their point of view. Preferably someone who's mature. A mature adult. And if you possibly can, go and spend some time with people who you respect. Go spend some time with people who are respectful to themselves, who have high self-respect. Oftentimes, you probably won't like that person, or in the beginning, you won't necessarily like their way. You won't like their behavior. Most of the time, those kinds of people come across very abrasive, very sharp, very abrupt, very quick, and they generally won't have the time for you, especially if you're just there to hover and observe. You know, they're going to feel like they're in some sort of National Geographic documentary or something. They're not going to enjoy that. They don't like that. Once again, their self-respect boundary goes, I don't have time for this. I don't do this. Thank you very much, but no thank you. And they'll move away. That's not a rejection. That's a demonstration. However, if you don't arrive in that situation with your hand out because you want something, in other words, you want to observe them, you want to get something, you want to see something, If you arrive from the point of, I want to contribute, I'm looking to receive, you will generally find that those people are very giving, very generous, and very generous with their time. 
they like being in the position of, if you want to call it, being a mentor. When they're sitting in that position, they will share gladly. The whole trick behind that, if you spend time with someone like that, is they would like to see you use the things that they give you. And I'm not talking about things that they put in your hand. If you are there to distill some behavior or to grasp a concept, they will share gladly. They will also be observing you. In other words, they will watch and see, do you take these things and put that back into action in your life? That's their measure. If you're taking these things and you're putting it into your life and you're actually using what they give you, oh man, they will give you so much more. They will be open. The thing is often to get to that person or to get over those hurdles before you can actually be around these types of people, be very close to them or to allow them to, let's say, mentor you or to be in a position of learning. We've got our own mountains to climb. There's challenges and hurdles to get over, challenges to get past. This is part of the learning. Let's see what you do with this. Take this into your life, see if you can observe it, see if you can monitor this thing, and see how far this takes you. We'd love to hear your feedback, and I'll see you in the next podcast. Cheers. Thank you.